0: My name is Dan Bender, and I'm director of family life here at Hebron, and we're going to try a little something today. Are you up for it? Mark, could you please put my phone number on the screen? Anytime during the sermon today, or anytime later today, if you have a question, a comment, or like an encouraging emoji, which I love, um, feel free to send those to me. And at at some point during the benediction, I will try to answer one of the questions that comes in. Does that sound like fun? Yeah. Oh, come on. (laughs) That's one of those things where I'm putting that out there for anybody in the entire world to be able to call me. And uh, I hope that you text me something. So this morning, we are going to talk a little bit about memory. How many of you have a good memory? Like, or how many of you will say, you know what, my memory stinks? Okay, good. Well, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people forget about what is preached within 18 hours of it ever being said. So, I hope that what we talk about today will last a little bit longer uh, than that. But isn't it almost every day you see people sharing social media memories of little babies or past family adventures with the words, Where has time gone? Can't believe she was ever that little. Or my personal favorite, time, please, slow down. Recently, I decided to take on the crazy task of going through Our Family's Digital Files. It ended up being a scroll down memory lane, to say the least. And I felt like Clark Griswold sitting in the attic with my fur coat on and a cheesy grin on my face as I was watching old family movies with a little Ray Charles on in the background. Christmas is the time of year. You know what I'm saying? as I took in all that nostalgia, remembering so many good times that we had had together across three different states, houses, and weather patterns. Some of the photos I came across, I barely remembered. I needed to be reminded. And maybe it was the haze of being a new parent, or I would just blame that just trying to survive the day unlimited sleep, or trying to get through an outing without a meltdown, or perhaps my mind has taken in so much that's, that there isn't any room left. I'm out of RAM in my hard drive. I wasn't aware in those moments, because I was thinking in the here and now, like, quick, that's cute, take a picture of that, or hey, We haven't been able to see him do that before, quick. I wasn't thinking about how important those pictures would become. How they would become a monument to a time and a place in my family's young history. And I'm grateful that I captured them, because these memories fade so quickly. But yet, you ever see a picture and you are instantly transported back to that moment. It floods back. And you know how it goes. You get so many pictures taken with the first child and then you have to fight to remember to capture those moments for the second and third. And I believe this is the reason why they have school pictures. It's to save us parents and to uh, encourage the grandparents that, you know, once they turn five, there are still some pictures being taken, right? Now, speaking of pictures, do any of you remember the Kodak 110? If you do, you're you're my friend. Because the Kodak 110 was like this little thing It was about this size. And you kind of click, right? Younger people, you don't know what that means. (laughs) And here, here was the catch. You had 12 to 24 chances to get that shot right. And there was only one way you could do it up close. So you had to plan it out. I had to be strategic when I would go places and I would take my 110 with me. And if for some reason you took it out too soon, what happened? It exposed, and you potentially lost all of it. But before the Kodak 110, guess what we did? We stacked rocks. Father, we thank you so much for this morning and a trip down memory lane. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you might be saying to us. And let it be today that we respond in worship. It's your name we pray, amen. This morning, we're going to be in Joshua 4. But in order to understand Joshua 4, we have to go to Joshua 3. Right? So dig, if you will, this picture. The Israelites have been traveling for how long? A very long time. And it seems as if they are coming to the end of their journey as they approach the Jordan river now there's one picture i really want you to see today and it's that this story which is at least 40 years long begins with a miracle at water and ends with a miracle at water are you following me you with me what was the first miracle what do you think It was the parting of the Red Sea. Good try, though. Parting of the Red Sea. We start with the parting of the Red Sea. There's wandering. There's all that other stuff that occurs. And here we are at the Jordan, where something else wonderful is about to take place. So in Joshua 4, verse 1, it goes like this when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan. There is estimates that by this time, there could be anywhere from 30,000 people to 600,000 people. If you've ever been to a baseball game back when the Pirates were good, trying to leave that parking lot was a bit difficult, wasn't it? Trying to cross that river and get to wherever you were going was difficult. Imagine having to navigate people on foot. <laughs> Minimum 30,000, upwards of 600,000. And the total distance they're, they are traveling is roughly a mile. <clears throat> So when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men He had appointed from the Israelites one from each tribe and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Though this passage, we get a a snapshot of Israel's history, but this story is about something way bigger. Did you know that the Jordan River was at flood stage during the time of this event? This wasn't a little creek or a calm river. It was a torrent of water, a scary force of nature, a test. Would they trust God to get them through this? And if you go back and look at Joshua 3 some more, you will see how this was all set up. God had commanded the priests to enter into the banks of the Jordan and to take the Ark of the Covenant with them and set it down about halfway across. And like we had said, it's about roughly a mile at this point, but the, the estimated distance of, of where the middle is was about 3,000 feet. Take a moment to imagine a river a mile wide and the water stopping. There's a big difference between the Red Sea and Jordan, though. Is that this time, the people aren't outrunning Pharaoh. This time, as the people are crossing through, they're able to marvel at what is happening instead of running for their lives. God's presence was leading them through, yet another trial the visual of the ark itself was a reminder that god is the one going ahead of them once again his presence has been with them the whole time at this crossing however the israelites are going somewhere brand new they have never been before It's a new land, it's a new place, and they're no longer wandering in circles. An entire nation, lost for a generation, at least, is about to enter a new territory, but a promise kept. Imagine the stories. Imagine the stories that you would have if you were there. But isn't it interesting the same way they start this journey is one of the ways they conclude it. This time, instead of being on the run, it's like God is saying to them, your days of running are over. You don't have to run anymore. You don't have to wander anymore. You're home now. I've been with you this whole time. The key word is with. This past weekend at the Faith and Life Conference, the biggest thing that stuck out to me was the word with. Anybody who went there, find somebody who didn't go and talk about the word with. He was with them the whole time. And look at what I have done. Then the instructions about the stones are given. Why do you think they're out in the middle of the river? Anybody? Anybody have an idea why it's out in the middle of the river? Why wasn't it on the bank? Say again. Yeah, they passed over. What is usually the deepest part of a river? Middle. So when you think of the imagery, even even as they're doing this, God is saying, at the very lowest point, I want you to take these stones so that you know that even down there I was You ever notice how God reveals his presence to you when you're out in the middle of it? It's like he rarely reveals his plane at the beginning before you set out. That'd be nice, right? Like a triptych for where we're going. If you know about triptychs, you also know about Kodak 10s. <laughs> they still give them out, by the way. He usually just says, go. What do you say to Abraham? Go. I'll give you the details while you're on on, on the way. (laughs) And then while you're out there, he meets you in the midst of it. And then, with his help, they get to the other side and emerge changed. And now it's time to remember what they've been through. The place that they end up camping is called Gilgal, right? Pretty fancy, four star location. But the meaning of the word Gilgal is literally circle of stones. Google circle of stones, and you will see a rough equivalent of what they thought it looked like. But just seeing a stack of stones or hearing the name of a monument isn't enough. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. I bet there was a whole lot more to say than just that. I bet that they would also start by telling that it was during a time of wandering. What was that like? I bet that they would add their own perspective about what they experienced. That's why in a room like this, you can have people who hear and experience the same message that's being given a myriad of different ways. What you pull from today is unique to you. And I bet that every story would be different for them. And I bet they might say, before you go any further, we should probably sit down. And one of the reasons why I love this story is not only because it's true, and and it's it's amazing how it's laid out when you look at it from 30,000 feet. They first started their journey out of slavery with a water miracle, and they ended it with another water miracle. This is not an accident. These bookends are not to be ignored. And use your imagination for a moment. The actual events are so symbolic of the entire experience. Leaving one shore, traversing the waves, landing on the other side. Reminds me a whole lot of baptism. go down into the water, bearing old identities, and emerging on the other side, free and raised to new life. They were receiving a new identity. They were no longer slaves, lost, sojourners. They received a new identity. They are home, found, rooted. This raised identity is central. And it's going to be the identity forever. That's the promise. And it's an identity that we get to inherit. So I have a question for you. We may not make stacks of rocks anymore or use Kodak 110s. If you do, let's talk. But what moments of faith and or deliverance do you have in your life? Do you remember the day that you went to the middle and God brought you out the other side? Perhaps you're in the middle right now. One of my favorite phrases that you'll hear probably in the next two or three weeks is, it's Friday, but Sunday is a coming. And that's like, when you think of it, Jesus going through the very same experience, going out into the middle of the river Suffering on the cross, and then being raised to new life, victorious in resurrection. More importantly, when's the last time you told your neighbor your story? Does your neighbor, who you're sitting next to, know the moment about which Jesus rescued you? Does anybody in your section Know about your story. We all have a story to tell about how Jesus has made a difference. So when somebody asks you, What do these stones mean? What's your answer? Here's the catch, though. Don't wait until they ask you. You should ask them Do you want to know what these stones mean? Amen. Let's pray. You have done so much in our lives that we cannot even begin to tell the stories. And I love to tell the story. About when I was down in the middle, down at the bottom, and only you were capable of bringing me out. I pray that you would give us confidence. You would give us opportunities and creativity to share our stories. Because redemption is a transferable idea, and it catches fire when we share our stories. Amen.